But one of the things that's interesting to me, <clears throat> I had a friend that used to be a, a curator, I guess at the museum. Um, he worked at the museum in, in Kerrville. There was a museum there a long time ago. And he had worked there for a couple of years. And he was adamant that there was never, it, was, it wasn't haunted. It was a big old Victorian house that, from the 1800s that had, had been there for a long time. And he was like, there's nothing here, there's nothing here. I went in there with my brother and we walked around because he was a friend of ours. We went to go visit him or whatever. And I, I felt energy there really bad. Like not, not, not bad. Like it was bad energy, but I felt it big time. Like I could feel it. And I was like, this place is absolutely crawling with energy. And there was a girl that worked there, um, on the days when he was off. And he said, well, she, she claims that it's, it's haunted, but I never saw anything. She had been there for about six months and then she showed up, um, and brought him something to eat because like, you know, they were friends or whatever. And she showed up and, we started chatting with her and she was like, oh yeah, I see stuff here all the time. She's like, in fact, I, I, I keep in contact with some of the people who've come through here and they have seen things and heard things. But yet here was this guy, this friend of ours, um, who worked there for like two years and was there five days a week, sometimes six, you know, and never claimed to have never saw anything or had anything happen. Now that's really weird to me. And then he lived in a house that was an old house too out in the, out in the country and he claimed that in that house like he would see the ghost of his stepdad. So it wasn't like he he wasn't open to it at all. He just really did not believe that there was anything in that museum. He didn't feel it. So you know, it's really weird like how this works, but yet this 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 young lady comes and she's like, "Oh yeah, this place is haunted." And in one of the areas where I felt the most activity in one of the upstairs uh rooms uh, it was a, it's a pretty big, neat old house. Um, I don't know if it's still a museum or what, but this was, you know, years and years ago, but it it just, that one area, I told my brother, I was like, man, this, this area just really, it makes my skin crawl. It gives me the creeps. And there were these old antique dolls in there and, and it made me, it may, and that's big part of it probably too. But you know, I, I, I yeah, it was, it, it, I mean, I felt like then there was this like a uh, glass case where they had these old uh, pioneer tools and stuff that people had 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 found around the area and they were in this glass case and that area gave me a lot of weird energy and the young lady comes with her friend and they were like yeah it, it, it's it's this one area and they took us up right to that area and so i asked my friend uh, i'm not going to say his name on permission but his name started with a d i'll call him d so uh, i asked my friend d i was like do, do you you don't ever feel anything up here and he goes nope I was like, I come through all the time. I work here every day. I don't feel anything. I'm like, wow. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how to explain that. I mean, you know, and then he went on a trip to, uh, to Finland or whatever. And he was telling us how he had seen, or he told my brother, like how he had had some sort of experience up there or whatever. And I'm like, well, you worked in a place that I'm pretty sure was haunted, you know, for two years and nothing. So how do you explain all that? How do you, I mean, I, I, I don't know when or how it happens. Now, as much activity as went on in our house, there were times when I was sitting there, I had like this little study that you could see out into the, the living room. And it was kind of a makeshift study or whatever that I had converted the uh, kind of like what I guess should have been like a den or, or whatever. And I converted it into like a study so I could do research and stuff. And 
So I, I could see out into the living room and uh, a couple of my friends there, we had these two couches that were like an L, the most comfortable couches I've ever had. And I swear it was, it was a very comfortable place, but they, they were sitting there watching TV and, and like, I guess something happened. Uh, they saw like a shadow go behind the entertainment center. I didn't see it. Like I was sitting right there looking right at them talking. They both kind of jumped up and I was like, Whoa, what happened? And I was looking dead on. I didn't see what they saw. Uh, so I don't know. Sometimes I think it's just, it's just a matter of perception, you know, and then there were times when like there was like my, my couple of my roommates claimed that the coffee pot had moved like it had moved and tumped over. And I was like standing right there. I didn't even hear it. And then I turned and I looked and I saw it spilled and they were both like adamant that it had just happened. I believe them, but I didn't see it. And I, and I didn't even, I didn't even hear it, which is even weirder. Like how did it block me out? You know what I mean? Like, have you ever heard of anything like that? I think that, um, I mean, it's, it gets back to you, whether you are feeling it or not, or I think that sometimes spirits, entities, ghosts, whatever you want to call them, energy, um, will show themselves to certain individuals when they feel it. I mean, it's not like, it's not like, okay, let's go into a place. You're going to snap your fingers and then suddenly, ah, they appear. Um, it's like going into an investigation, uh, maybe the first time you're not going to, most of the times you're not going to get a ton of evidence. Okay. But you go back to that location over a few, you know, several times, every time you go in there, whatever's in there is getting to know you a little bit more. So I think it opens the door for better communication, your, you know, you're, you're seeing or hearing things more so, um, maybe that night, Josh, they just didn't, uh, whatever was there, just didn't want to talk to you. Um, <laughs> you know, it's no always, problem. It, <laughs> so, and again, it's, it's all depends on, I think again, we'll get back to the energy that, that that's in the building or that people are, are experiencing at that, that time. Um, it's, we, Again, you get back to to evidence. Um, we had we when we we did this one museum, and it started out well, a little bit. We got some EVPs, nothing really substantial, but our interest was there, and we so we kept on going, we kept on going. At the end, we caught it. There was a uh, you know a photo of an individual, like uh, an apparition, dressed in period clothes that never. I mean, that was pretty freaking phenomenal. So yeah, I think, again, the more they know you or talk to you. I, I, I talked one of our uh, friends of ours that goes out and does Sasquatch hunting and uh, any, or hunting. That's a bad word. Uh, Sasquatch investigating. Hunting is, is, is uh, sort of like taboo. You're going to go out with your gun and shoot him. Um, but he goes out regularly and... Um, he does his tree knocks. He does his, um, he's got the scope to, to listen for sounds. He camps in the woods. He does all of, he does. He usually does this by himself, which is crazy, but it's, uh, again, he goes into locations repeatedly. And every time he goes into that, supposedly these hot spots, every time 
there's a little bit more of a communication. And again, whether or not whatever's there gets used to his smell and his campfire and everything else, or him being in that location, um, that maybe that communication or that um, connection is happening more and more than if it's just something out of the blue, right? I think that that's, that's happening a lot. I know when we were at the one historical place you were referring to earlier, Paul, so we thought there was a young girl kind of running around and, and uh, we went back again and I kind of made reference to that. And again, we don't hear it at the time, but afterwards there was a big scream on my on my recorder. So then I readjusted my thinking that she wasn't a little girl. She was a teenager and she was really mad that I had called her a little girl. She was letting <laughs> me know that in no uncertain terms that she was not a kid. Because <laughs> right? man, she let one howl. Yeah, just like uh, you know, we we did this studio and you got a lot of uh individuals around and we're setting up and just doing all sort I'm going and, and I'll, I'll send that to you too. And it's the lights out and, and you, we're all getting ready for the investigation and you hear this yell and there was five of us in this room. So if, <laughs> if we had heard that yell when we were there, we would have reacted to it and nothing happened. So yeah, we didn't hear it. No, and so that that's a that's another. It was cool like one. it was trying to scare us. It was kind of like almost yeah. like a, ah, like yeah. you know, I'm here. Well, or, or or we tell we tell them make a noise. Here's this recorder with a a light on, yell into it, and you let us know you're here. Well, guess what? It did, uh, but we didn't hear it at that time. So yeah, I think it's all it's all relative. It really is. And and you guys, do you guys have you seen apparitions like full on apparitions? During the course of your investigations, I get, we I was for me I see I was at a church and um, it, it was um, a spiritualist church so they're working with the um, congregation or individuals there and they're always inviting spirits to come in relatives whatever to be part of it it's like a healing thing and uh, we were doing an investigation and, and I was at the pulpit and they had come they had talk about this apparition at the very back of the of the room that there was always something there so i concentrated i had my my eyes focused while i was doing the session or while we all were doing the session i focused on that one particular area because you know i i was hoping to catch something well then there's um the coat hangers with the you know the, the um, paper over it you know that you hang your coat on and things like that I could see something blocking that out and going back and blocking that out and going back. And one of our invest and, and another investigator went around that to that particular, it was a dark shadow, went to that location and she could feel the uh, cold spots, but did not see that. And I seen this apparition literally beside her and then going back. Um, so for me, that was for other than my father, this was my first apparition. I don't know if you've seen anything, Jay. Oh, well, it goes back to my opening story of who's that guy in the doorway. So, yeah, I, I have seen them in my life, but, I mean, not recently while we were investigating, but, you know, I have seen them. I mean, it's it's uh, it's scary for because sometimes if you're not expecting it then it, and it happens, it's kind of cool. One of our, again, it's it's Glenn, that, that the guy that keeps on, our, is our magnet for, adventure he was in a um an old psychiatric hospital 
and uh, he's an actor. And so he's got some downtime. So he gets to go into these, into various creepy different locations. And uh, while they're waiting for set and everything else like that, he's, he's walking around with a video recorder uh, um, or other light to take some photos, ca cameras and things like that. So this one time he took a, uh, he was looking down the hallway and he caught an actual shadow figure come in and go out at the very end of this hall. So um, I think that's like one of the gold things that we are always looking for. I don't think we always get to see them. Uh, other like mediums, psychics, things like that. I think they have a more close attraction with them. Um, one of our one of our investigators again. We were at a at a um, at a restaurant, restaurant hotel, and uh, we were doing a, an EVP session inside of the inside of the bar area, and she was sitting by the window and. She was talking about this guy standing on the outside of the window, and she could see it. None of us could, but she could see it as plain as day, and she described him. He had this, he was smoking a cigar, he was doing some other things. This is what he was wearing, everything else like that. And you hear this gasp from uh, some of the guests that we had in, that came along the investigation, and she was like, oh, my God, that is so-and-so that passed, at the, and that you're describing him down to a T. We had another one, and you could tell them tell them about the Haney House. Oh, yeah, so we um, we were doing a fundraiser, and and we had been in earlier, and and one of our investigators, the same one who was very in tune to these things, said, "Who's Kevin?" And like this is a really old place, and I'm like, "What do you mean, Kevin? Kevin's like a name from now, don't you mean James or Elizabeth or Mary?" She goes, "No." Kevin, so I'm kind of laughing at her, like, oh, a fundraiser for And she could, she could see this individual. Yeah, and so we were doing a fundraiser for it, and there were some guests there, and I was, we were introducing ourselves, and I was telling the story of how, you know, she came up with this name, Kevin, and again, there's this gasp, and, and this hand goes up, he goes, I'm Kevin, and she goes, no, no, this is the grandson of the guy who, who originally built this house, he goes, no, that's my grandfather, and that was a, it, for that, that was just a huge validation that some people are more in tune than I am about things like that. Cause I'm like, who's Kevin, right? But yeah, she was right. She yeah. was right. So, cause we, we do fundraisers, um, uh, not so much this year cause we had just had six postpone them till next year. But, uh, you know, we, we go and visit these, we do these, um, we go into these locations, they allow us to come in and do what we do at the least we can. And we don't charge for any of our investigations. So, uh, the least we can do is, you know, if they're for, for funding is maybe do a fundraiser for them and, and we'll go in and we'll do the dog and pony show. Um, and the, uh, uh talk, maybe share some evidence or anything like that, do a Q and a, do an actual paranormal investigation in some of the locations. And, uh, maybe there's a meal, um, uh, and all the money goes towards these, these locations a hundred percent. So it gives them a, a new coat of paint or, you know, pays the salary of somebody or whatever. Don't care. Um, as long as it helps them out in some way, we're doing a fundraiser here next Friday, um, at a, a theater here. That's, that's, uh, has not been able to open period. It's a, a theatrical place. They have not been able to open because of COVID or cause they usually have productions and everything else in this place. This is the first time that we're, it's sold out in two weeks. Um, and again, hundred percent of the, uh, of the proceeds go to the, to the theater. Again, it helps them out during a difficult time.
So yeah, that's that's really going away from the from the shadow figure story. But hey, um, <laughs> you, you were talking about individuals um, um, knowing that like your waitress that came in and no talked about somebody there. Well, we had this uh, same theater is the caretaker there that was always, you know, always there. Um, he knew them by name. He would, he's retired now, but he was, he ha always had these conversations with them more than, than anybody else going into that particular theater because he had been there so long that he had built up this relationship. So rather than being afraid and running out the back door, his, his idea was just to have a communication with them as to the best of his ability. Um, somehow they communicated their names. One of them happens to be Mary um, and uh, say la vie. And so we asked him, we said, well, what's Mary about? And he said, well, she always sits in one, one particular location in the balcony level. And yeah, we went up there with her. Uh, we did a session up there with an SLS and a K2 meter. And yes, we got interaction, intelligent interaction. We got EVPs from there. Um, so yeah, there Mary's around there, but we said, when you pass, when you die, uh, and theater was very, very important to you, where would you like to be? Where would you be if, if you're still on this earth in a different plane? Um, wouldn't it be this plate location? Wouldn't it be that you want to come and you want to watch theater and you want to watch live and you want to be part of the, the entertainment and still enjoy it? It's like we had this pub down, uh, bar down there. It's called the Irish Heather, and it's exactly what it is. It's a, it's an Irish bar, and same thing. If you had belly up to the bar and you'd like to be there and, and uh, every day and and have a chit chat and be the norm of of the of the, of that bar, and you passed, where would you be? Yeah. Wouldn't you like to be there and and with your friends or at least be part of the entertainment and everything that's happening there? I would, I would, for sure. Yeah. I had asked what they'd like to drink, and the voice came back, Glenn Fittich, <laughs> on my audio. <laughs> like, okay, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, movie studios are magnets. Theaters are magnets. Bars are magnets. It's like whatever you enjoyed in life seems to be where people like to, to hang out. And it all depends on the staff, too. There's one, one location they uh, – they, the, there was a regular patron there that was literally there almost every day and he would have a beer and he would nurse it so he could watch what was going on and talk to friends and everything else. It was in a, in a community that's fairly small. Um, so that was his socialism and he passed. So, but they, out of respect, put a beer at his location every day. And they had a, I don't know, 65th wedding anniversary or something really unique, something. Um, or maybe it was a birthday. Uh, anyways, the bar was packed and they were taking pictures of everybody, you know, because they wanted to share it on social media and their friends and everything else like that. And they took a picture of this location and there was a before shot. And literally they were doing like three, you know, three shots at a time to try to get, you know, uh, to pick the better ones. Um, the one shot, nothing there. The next shot, there's a ghostly figure there. And so, so again, it, they think it was him coming back to have to still have his beer as part of the as part of the group. So when we go into situations like that and get reports like that or see evidence like that, that makes my that makes our juice flow. 
it's it's a it's a you can that's why you continue doing this thing is because it makes it so interesting uh, because you never know what you're going to get when you go into an investigation regardless of where it is regardless if it's a sasquatch investigation and the stories and the locations and actually going there and going to places and seeing if there's anything or going off to or, or ufo stories and listening and watching the passion of people talking about them that's pretty incredible stuff do you guys have you guys dealt with um a couple questions here <clears throat> and answered in whichever order you want do you ever deal with anything uh dogman related do you know what that is yeah we yes. do but no it's it's not prevalent in this neck of our woods no i think that's more southern than than up here really I don't think we've ever uh, come across that story-wise. Mm. Uh, and, and what about alien abduction? Oh, yeah. 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 Janine's being probably, she's got her own story about that one. I have some, yeah, I have some time differential things that have happened to me. I don't, I'm not necessarily saying alien abduction, but I've had time encounters. I don't know whether either uh, you, Josh, or Anthony have had them where um, time just goes missing or, or time does some weird things to you. Uh, I'll give you one quick story. Niagara Falls, um, 1980-ish. I'm there with some three three girlfriends who happen to be sisters. Italian. Yeah, they were. It's kind of the <laughs> 80s. We got the big hair. We got the Camaro. We got the whole thing. So anyway, what, we get to this one point, and this voice says to me, get the girls out of the way. Step off the curb. You're going to get get hit by a car, and you'll be all right. And time fragmented for me. It went millisecond by millisecond by millisecond. And at that point, I had no control over what was going on with me, except that I stepped off the curb. I threw my arm out. I pushed the girls back. They were like, what the hell are you doing? This car came around the corner. It hit me. I was pushed back on the sidewalk. I landed on my tailbone. It was sore, sore for, you know, maybe a week, but I was fine. And to this day, like, I don't believe that experience was necessarily tied to me. I think it was tied to the sisters, but somehow it spoke to me to get them out of the way. But it's never happened to me since, but it was the weirdest thing because it, it, like, time just slowed down to a fraction of a second while this was happening. So maybe that's a possibility for alien abduction is the same time dilation, missing time that people have and then they get snippets of what has transpired and possibly you know sometimes it takes a lot of pulling to get that story out of them or to you know find out exactly what happens because they seriously can't remember it all yeah well, i remember going up to visit my parents one time and it would take me about two hours to get to this small town where they were living uh, when i was living in toronto at the time and I do the same route all the time. I go up, I see this guy who's building a boat in his driveway. I'd get to this small town. I'd stop at McDonald's. I'd get a pop. I'd hang a left, and I'd head off towards the small town. Only this one day I don't. This one day I go go up the road. I see the guy with the boat. I never go to McDonald's. I never get the pop. I'm suddenly like all the way down down the highway, and I have no recollection of of getting from point A to point B. And I'm thinking, well, that's weird. Like, was I daydreaming this whole time? Was I like thinking about something that was going on that was just you know keeping my mind occupied? Except that in this two hour trip, when I walk in the door at my parents' place, my dad looks at the clock and goes, "You're an hour early." <laughs> I'm like, 
there's no way in hell I could do that drive in an hour, but apparently I did. So that day, I have no idea where that time went. So that's another kind of weird time experience I've had. So I mean, and I, so that that might be part of the part of the story for alien abductions is that they're missing that time, and possibly they're thinking that way. Um, I don't know. I, think, I don't know either. I, to this uh, day, I don't know. I think it can be a combination of things. I don't think there's a. It's just like everything you do, and every paranormal situation or story or anything it can be it, it can be debunked okay um it's the same with with uh you know unless you've got physical evidence to show it and here we go back to that physical evidence thing but it's always going to be um show me show me show me it and regardless of what you do it's all we're going to find uh stories out there and that are really really hard to explain and individuals on what they believe uh will tend to tend to build you and put you in that in that location um alien abduction i think falls into that well no all paranormal falls into that i think it's all depends on the individual i really do um it could be just something they ate that day and it just disagreed with them <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I personally, I haven't been, um, but we know people that have. I have a story of, of, of time, I guess. There, there are a couple things I can say about that. One, I can say whenever I was working downtown, in a, running a nightclub, and it was a hip-hop club, there, there was quite a, quite a bit of uh, violence that went on. And uh, one, one of the things that I remember – I believe it's called Satori. Um, trying to look it up, see if that's the correct term. Are you talking about the phenomenon where your perception of time changes? Yeah, it's like a kind of like when athletes get that where they're in the zone. Is that yeah, and and you get into it, and and like like I, I have a lot of friends that are in the fight game. Some guys that are coaching now. We're all a little older now. We're not the the fighters we used to be, but um, well, I am. They're not. I'm just kidding. Seriously, they, <laughs> I'm very modest. No, no, they, 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 there's some guys that I'm still friends with, and they coach and they box and they do things. I coached boxing for a while. I did a lot of different things, and and I, I boxed and I, I wrestled, did all kinds of stuff. But one of the things I I, I learned, like I, I'm I'm really quick for a big guy. I'm very quick. And one of the things I had a friend that was, he was a shaman. He was a, he was into Buddhism, and he was a very shamanistic person. Um, he was, uh, it's hard to explain, he was Christian, but he was Buddhist by philosophy. And he believed that, he was very spiritually in tune, he believed that I had mastered an ability to slow down time for myself, and that it made me move quicker through time, and others were, were moving slower. Now, that was his theory, because he had seen me work the mitts and do some different things, as we call it in boxing, and, and he'd seen me, he was like, you're, you're huge, you're 300 pounds. You know, at, at that time I was about 320, you know, and he was like, and you're very fast. I mean, it's very <clears throat> unusual to be that big and be that quick, like a middleweight, you know. And he said that it was a, it was a spiritual thing. He goes, you're doing a spiritual thing and it comes naturally to you and you actually are able to slow down time. And when he said that, it resonated with me because I do remember many times getting into altercations and I remember just moving and 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 able to to. I've always been a very accurate puncher, and I don't waste punches. And that was one thing I never really got winded. Even being a big guy, I really didn't get winded much. And my punches usually counted. 
and I have a friend whose name is Arash. He's a, he owns a bar. He's a good buddy of mine. Owns a restaurant and a bar. And uh, we we used to work out together and hit the mitts all the time and work the bags. And he would always talk about uh, the, he was a technical fighter, very technical in the way that he think of Ken Norton. You know, like the way Ken Norton would fight. He was very and, and I I always would kind of tease him how he'd fight up on his tippy toes. And he would make every punch count. And if you look at the guy, you would think, oh, this guy's not that good of a fighter. But he was so technical in what he did. And one of the things I learned over the years, I would always tell people, they would ask me where my speed came from. Well, it came naturally. My grandfather was a fighter, and he was very quick. But I I, I did kind of grasp onto what my friend David had told me once. He said that you, you're slowing down time. You're literally doing it. You don't even know you're doing it. And he said that some people know how to do it, and it's a manipulation of the spirit. You know, the spirit controls the body, you know, or the mind, and the mind controls the body. It's all connected. And I remember multiple times getting into fights with two or three guys and and moving around them and landing punches on them, and it almost felt like it was just fluid. Just I was just moving, and it was almost like they were standing still. And I, I was able to just like remember microseconds of, of action like it was a long, drawn out full minute, you know. And and when I go back and I remember these things, like I remember each punch and, and it was like it's weird, you know. Almost like when you're watching a movie and you'll see these scenes where they'll slow it down and you'll see the guy's face getting hit. I mean, I, I literally would, would have flashes of that. And one of the things I learned over the years, too, I would tell people, they always say, oh, there's always somebody bigger and badder than you. I, I don't believe that. I never believed that when I was a fighter. I, I don't believe it now. I believe that it's any anybody's game any day. I believe that there is a – it's a time. It's not a man. There is no man that's bigger or badder than me. There is no man that's whatever that's out there that's just going to kick your butt. There's a time when you're at your weakest and a Girl Scout could kick your butt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like after a big meal, you're really lethargic and you're walking out in a parking lot. I had a buddy. He was a tough, tough guy. He was six foot six. I weighed three, 330 pounds. He was a monster. He was just one of the strongest people I've ever met. He's in prison now. He's been in prison for a long time for getting into a fight and killing somebody, you know? So, but he, he was walking out of an olive garden. He just stuffed his face with the endless possible. This is a true story. And literally, he tried to help this this girl that was getting into a fight with her boyfriend. And he he said he went over there kind of like and you know, didn't really want to, you know, whatever. And the girl started beating him up. And and it was like he didn't really like fight back, like, oh, I'm gonna tear her up. But his his girlfriend just laughed because, you know, we knew this guy and I knew he was a monster and he'd worked for me for a year, you know. And uh I had sparred with him and he was a tough kid. And to to the the image of this girl just turning on him because you know how domestic situations, a lot of times you, you go to help somebody and then they turn on you. She started just like giving him the business, man. And, and finally he had to like grab her and try to get her under control. And then she kicked him right in his jewels. And he was like, dude, I just felt like throwing up and laying on the ground. And I was like, this is a humongous guy. And I told him, I told him, I said, I'll say his name is, it starts with an M. And I'll say, I said, M, you know, one of the things you got to learn is it's a time. There's a time when you're really, really sleepy or when you first wake up or after a meal, you know, or when you're, when you're at a certain point of inebriation that you're no good and it doesn't matter who you're fighting. It's, it, you're going to be hard pressed to fight a, a, a 10 year old. You just can't do it. And then there's times when you're clean, you're feeling good. You go in, you're, you're at your fighting weight and, and you, I 
have felt that. I just feel invincible. You could put five people in front of me and I'd smash them all. And then there's other times where I'm like, man, I, I feel terrible. And, and any human being on this planet could probably throw me down into a, a ditch and I just lay there. You know, and I think it's a time. I think time is very important and how we manipulate it and how we learn it. Now, when you learn that time, you know, to pick your battles, you know, you become the master of that. You know, the Mayans were real big on mastering time. And I really believe that time is important as far as like knowing when to do things and how to do things and how to approach things, you know, and, and I was always very good at that, at getting the right time, you know, finding the right time to do what I needed to do. And, and, and even manipulating the time, you know? And so I, I think that that's most important. And here's a, a short, short story. I'll tell you one time when I was a teenager, my mother had moved here to Austin. I wasn't yet uh, exiled here. Um, so, so, so I, I was a, I was a, uh, malcontent teenager, had some problems. So, in my own old county that I lived in, uh, I eventually was kind of asked to just leave, which was probably the most important thing. I just, I just had to go. So this was when I was like a young man and I had, was driving to visit my mother. She lived in South Austin and I was tired and I, but I wanted, I needed to go see her and help her do something. So I, I had agreed to it. I always try to keep, keep my word, especially to my folks. And so I, um, I, I was driving into, into Austin and I got to around Runberg. Now, Anthony, you know where Runberg's at. Yeah. And right right around there used to be a bowling alley. And I remember distinctly seeing Showplace Lane. It's not there anymore. Yeah. It's like an insurance building or something. And I and I look over and I just thought, man, I'm so sleepy. And I close my eyes on the interstate, on a very busy and dangerous interstate. Now, I'm gonna tell you something. This is the absolute truth. I opened my eyes again and I was near downtown, which huh. is like fifteen miles. Oh my God. So and you just lost it. I, I don't know how or what, you know, and, and when, and it scared the crap out of me and I opened my eyes and I was like, oh my gosh. And I was swerving into someone's lane and there was this semi honking and I jerked back into my lane and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm over here by MLK, which is like way downtown Austin. And I'm like, where, whoa, like I just remember closing my eyes and I, I had to have fallen asleep. And then I opened them and I was that far away. I mean, it, it's it's at least, what, 15 miles, right, Anthony? Yeah. That's and an advanced level of sleepwalking, the sleep driving. The sleep driving. And I, I just couldn't believe it. And so then when I got to my mother's place, I told my Uncle Jaime about that. And he says, he goes, boy, that must run in the family. He goes, because I've done that on a couple occasions. Oh, my God. Uh, and and, he, and he, it was crazy because he was talking about driving from Elgin to Bastrop and falling asleep and not even remembering just pulling in and going, whoa, getting to my Uncle Frank's place. And he goes, it's happened to me. So right when he told me that, I thought, wow. And now that's never happened to that degree again. Um, I did fall asleep at the wheel one other time um, and, and had, a, had a wreck. And I remember hearing a voice um, yelling at me to wake up. And it was like, wake up. And it's, it just sounded like a male, like a young guy and his voice. And I, and I almost thought that there was somebody in the truck with me and I opened my eyes and I was, I just slammed on the brakes in time to rear in this, this other kid and, and uh, did some damage to his vehicle. But it, it would have been a lot worse if I hadn't, if that voice hadn't woke me up. So, you know, I, I've wondered if, if there was like something there that protected me, that kept me from, from having a horrible accident. Or if it was just like I, I went into a zone and was was not really asleep, just completely don't remember that that chunk of time 
but it scared me. And to this day, I'll always remember it. I was a teenager. I was like 16. And, and I'll always remember that and thinking, man, it, it scared the crap out of me. And I don't, I don't know how I'm alive right now. I don't know how I drove down the interstate asleep. Wow. I mean, how did that happen? How is it even possible? I mean, is I that... Mean, part of you shut off and then something else clicked in. Uh, that has right. to be. It has to be. You know, and, and, and was able to take over and be part of it. And or something was able to be with you or take over your body, so to speak, and you're able to do that and and take and go down the interstate and get to your your place um, without you knowing it. I think that happens to a lot of people. A lot of people have um, um, you know sleep paralysis. Oh yeah, and 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 things like that, or like you said, just you know sleepwalking. I mean, I think that that's all part of it. I think that sometimes you get the individual that um, has, it could be a guardian angel if you want to call it that, but it's part of our lives and it stays with us. I think that even in our case where we live um, with our Christmas lights going on, damn it. Um, but I mean, it's, it's uh, we have that, I think that there's people here or, or spirits here that take care of us. Um, I know that in the, uh, because this happens when we got the Christmas lights, it's winter time. It's we don't get uh, we don't general on these on the west coast. We generally get like tons of rain, um, so it uh, instead of snow. But I know when Janine has had a bad day um, at work or anything like that, because the activity will be substantially higher in the light situation than anything else. So in their world, they're talking, that's their communication that it's going to be okay, um, that we're taking care of you, we're going to be there for you, don't worry about it. Um, and that could be the situation with you, Josh, is, is that when you did that, when you did that drive, something else took over for you. Uh, there's no other way to explain it. Yeah, um, that's it's very, I've always wondered about that. Yeah, there's no other way to explain it. And and that could be the lost time that people experience that, you know, we talked about the alien abduction. I think that it could be not necessarily aliens. It could be spirit, that manip manip manipulation. My God, Lars, I got to get that out of my mouth, um, that they have that taken care of, that there's they're looking out for you. And making sure that that things are okay. Or if we get, I get PM'd on on stuff all the time where they're, um, I had this sleep and this is this is my dream and I've had this. I have to believe in what they're telling me, um, and I'll ask the different questions. I mean, my first one is, did something happen in your life that changed the way uh, that might have caused this dream or this feeling or this situation and it usually is it whether it's good or whether it's bad something traumatic has happened to that individual in order for them to experience or have these dreams or have this vision or have this lost time thing um that something has affected and maybe or it could be a passing it could be a pet dying or leaving and they you know that's that's they love that dog and it's gone and that's their, you know, that's their only passion in their life is this dog. 
uh, and it's affected them. So then it's going to affect how they sleep and how they react to things. And sometimes it goes a little bit beyond that, that then they start seeing things or hearing things or um, in one case, having a song completely playing in their head. And it happens to be the song that used to be part of that person's that passed in their lifetime. That was their favorite song. So suddenly it's showing up in their life. Let me ask you guys a question about, you were talking about sleep. Um, and I've talked about this on another sh episode of our show. There is a place that, that, that a lot of people, and since I've been, been, and, and talked about this place and been on, been on the, it's been on the show. It's called the, we call it the city of darkness or the city of night because we don't really have a name. We don't, we don't know what to call it. But people will dream and they will, they will, it's a recurring dream and they will go to this place that's in utter darkness. And the, and the only light is like these yellowy uh, or dull looking lights that, and everything is kind of dim. You can see it's not, you know, but, but it's like, it's always dark. It's always nighttime there. Do, do you ever get anybody sending you any messages about that or talking about that? A place where they go re re recurring dreams, just keep going. No, I'm wondering though. I mean, it, uh, again, it depends on how how you believe in these things. But I'm wondering whether they are perhaps starting an astral journey, and maybe maybe it's not happening yet. Like I keep trying to do it, but I can't do it. But but I do know where my rope if, is. If that makes sense to you. Guys, oh yeah, I know right? what that is. Yeah, I, I've I've been on my body many times. I know where my rope is, but I haven't made. The journey past that yet so maybe maybe they're in that sort of state too where it could happen but it's not happening yet i don't know i, I do believe that it's astral traveling um that, that they that they will go to this this place but i mean i've had many people um recent most recently i i my friend that passed away i i, I spoke at his funeral at the end of may he was one of my best friends ever and uh I didn't see him for a while. Like I told my wife, I was like, it's not typical. Typically, usually when someone passes or crosses over within, within a week or so, I'll see them. Um, now what I mean is I'll see them. And when I go to sleep, I'll see them. They'll come to me in the dream, in the dream state. And that's, uh, that's very prevalent when people talk about seeing a deceased loved one, they'll see them in that dream world. It, it's, it's less common for them to see a full on apparition of them just in their waking day, day to day. I have seen most of my really close friends that have passed or relatives. I've been visited by them almost always, but that's amazing. yeah, it, it's something that's always happened to me. And with, with my friend, Willie that died. I mean, I'll just say his name. Everybody kind of knows who he was. His name was Ta and Willie. We called him Taz or Taco is one of his nicknames. But w when when he died, it, I didn't see him for a while. It was like over a month, and then I saw him, and it was once again in that dark city, that place. It was dark, and what was really odd about it was he introduced me to this uh, guy that he was working with. Like he had a job. Now that happened to another one of my friends, one of my best friends that had died. I, I saw him and he, he had the same situation. He had a partner and they were doing like a job and they were working in that city, in this city of night, whatever. 
And so I asked, and, and apparently this city is not, from what I, I believe now, it's not just one location. Like, I think it encompasses the flip side of our world. Like, it is the spirit world. It is like purgatory type state or whatever you want to call it, whatever name you want to give it. Because when I asked him where we were, he said, you're in Port Lavaca. Now, Port Lavaca is in, here in Texas, and it's just uh, down on the coast. It's not a very beautiful place or anything. <laughs> Um, it's just a port, you know, and I was like, why are we here? And then he goes, well, I have a job to do. And, and so we were talking and he introduced me to this guy who looked like, uh, he was Hispanic. Like he, maybe he was Mexican. Um, my mother's Mexican. I'm actually half. So, I mean, like he looked like he could have been one of my cousins, you know? And so we started talking and he was very friendly and he kind of disappeared and went and there was a guy who had walked up to them and his vehicle was completely smashed in, like the front end of the vehicle was smashed. It was gone. And uh, he was, my friend Willie was standing there and we we were conversating and I just remember looking over and I don't remember everything we were were talking about because he was just talking to me and I got kind of distracted and his friend that he had introduced me to was talking to this other gentleman and then he walked back over to, to us and I said, well, what was, what, what's the deal with that guy? He goes, well, he just uh, crossed over. And as you can see, his vehicle, <laughs> obviously it was a driving accident, you know, and, and I, I kind of laughed because it was, the guy didn't look like he was in pain or anything. And so then the guy came walking up and started talking to us while we were all standing there. And he said, he goes, yeah, one minute I was driving and next minute I'm here. And you could see the front end of his truck was like an accordion, like it'd been smushed in. And so obviously he had just passed from a car wreck. And so I guess their job was to, uh, I don't know, acclimate him or something. And so my friend, uh, it, it made me feel good that I finally saw him and that he was, he seemed happy. Well, I, th- I thought to myself, I said, you know what? I, th- I know that this is real. I said, I would like some sort of confirmation though, you know, and right before he could answer or respond, like he put up his, his hand and was trying to speak, but I couldn't hear and then somebody was saying my name over and over again, and I woke up, and it was my wife, and she's like, hey, you know, you need to get up. You need to go do your taxes today. <laughs> it was – I had to get to to, to, to my hometown where my, my CPA is at, and she was like, you need to go see, see her to get your taxes done. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're right. Okay, I got an appointment. So I jumped up, and I started showering, and right then I didn't really remember the dream, and then all of a sudden it hit me while I was showering. I was like, oh, my gosh, I was talking to Willie. So then I I, I went to my appointment – um, and I, I told my wife briefly about it and then I, I jumped in the truck and we took off and we, we got to my hometown and while me and Anthony, now you can remember this, Anthony, I told you the dream before on the way over there. Yep. And then when we were talking to Sue, who is my tax lady for the last 10, 12 years, she said, I said, I said, you know, we we're talking about her son, Stephen. Okay. Cause he was married to my cousin who also passed away back in December and uh, she was telling me how he was doing. And I said, how's your other son doing? I haven't heard from him in forever. What city did she say he was living in? Port Lavaca. Port Lavaca. Really? And she goes, uh, yeah, he's living in Port Lavaca. I'm like, and, and, you know, it's a very nondescript place. It's not, it, there's no reason to, to ever. And when I had, the last thing I had said to Willie was give me some kind of a sign, you know, that I know that this is real and you're okay. When she said Port Lavaca, I was like, oh. It was like somebody punched me in the gut. I looked over at Anthony and I said, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. And Sue's like, what, what? And I was like, ah, I had this dream and that name came up. That's all I told her, you know? 
And and she goes, oh, okay. Well, you know, she, she continued on about her son or whatever. And I grew up with her sons. You know, we played baseball together and everything. And so I, I left and I, I got out to the to the to the truck or whatever. And I told my wife, I said, you're not going to believe this. And I said, remember, I told you that that Willie was in Port Lavaca working, uh, helping souls get acclimated. You know, and she was like, yeah. And and I said, well, Sue just told me about her son living in Port Lavaca. I mean, what were the odds that that name would come up, that I would, that it would give me the confirmation that I asked for? I mean, it was just so weird. I mean, like, you know, I don't even know how to describe that. You know, it, it's but, crazy. But here's the thing. You've got, I mean, certain people will get their visions or their um, confirmation as to what's happening that way. There's other, I mean, other, I think there's other ways that um, it's, it, that, spirits or people that have passed that have been close to us or that we know try to communicate with us um i mean i, I remember sitting at my uh, my uh, grandparents grandparents house up in uh, up in northern saskatchewan um for those that for your listening audience it's in the middle of canada um and uh, uh i was there when my uh, my grandfather had passed and my mom, uh, there was a, there was three knocks at the door, and then, but there was nobody there. Was somebody going went out and checked or anything like that. Then the phone rang three times, and my mom stood up and said, "Don't answer the phone. It's my, it's you know, her father just calling or letting us know that things are okay. I've, I've gone to the, I've gone to another side." Um, and I think that that happens a lot to people as well, besides the dream. Of, of of what you're having uh josh it's i think people have their own evidence or confirmation that uh somebody has passed or something has happened and i'm okay uh that communication is there especially if it's somebody or something that uh um uh, that you were very close with i mean uh, mm -hmm. a, a very good friend or a relative that was really really strong in your in your life and it wasn't just like your mother father sister brother it was an uncle that was always out there throwing the baseball with you or something like that um if you have that connection with them in the real life it, again it's, it gets back to my story about being in uh you know going into a bar that you always liked and sat there i think the same thing happens when the communication the relationship is really really strong with an individual uh, and and they pass or die and and regardless of how that happens, you get that confirmation afterwards, or you see or you hear um, something that you cannot explain. I think that that's I think uh, really really important. I think that happens a lot more than people talk about. Yeah, I think that everybody. You know, I, I, I agree with what you just said. It's like everybody gets their own confirmation, and everybody has their own. Um, Another example that I would throw at you guys, and you can give me what you can give me the feedback of what you think this is. My godson lives in Boulder, Colorado, and uh, my best, my former best friend. I say former, well, he's he's deceased. He died in 2011. Unfortunately, it was he he, he was depressed and he was he had it was suicide. Really, really tore my guts out, and I've seen him a few times since he passed, and and I was very upset with him for for leaving the way he did. I just. I understand that he had a lot of emotional pain and, and he was distraught, but I felt 
like a betrayal, you know, when he when he did what he did. And I finally got to make it up there year before last and go visit my godson, his son. And uh, so we, we, we hung out with him and, and we spent the, the evening and we, we went to go eat dinner. And my wife met him and she was like, he's such a nice kid. And he reminds me so much of my friend. And when we were at this park sitting there talking, it was me and, and my buddy Scorpion and, and my wife and we were all there. And uh, I could literally feel his his dad's presence there while we were speaking. And I felt it come because whatever was there while we were in that park, there was something dark there that was not – I didn't like it. And I told his son, I said, I don't really like this spot. There's something here. But then I felt the presence of his dad, and I felt like it cleared the energy out a little bit, you know. And uh, I got the impression while we were talking, and I told my wife this – that 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 he was traveling, that he was moving around and just just uh, kind of just doing what he always wanted to do in life, which was travel. He just wanted to be everywhere. We you know we were overseas. We did all kinds of stuff together, me and this guy. And uh, he was very very adamant that that one day he wanted to stay. He wanted to be gone, just travel and keep going. And I was talking to his son about him and had the last dream I had had about him, you know, was that he was on a train and he was like, immediately his son was like, Oh my gosh. He's like, dude, when I dream about him, he's like, sometimes we're on a train and we're talking and he's traveling. Like he's literally just like, he enjoys just being on this train. And, and it was so weird because the last time I had seen him in that city in that dark city, whatever he was, he had a job and he was doing something very similar to what my friend Willie was doing. And I remember there being some train tracks right above where, where we were talking. And, uh, he said, I got to do this job for a while, but then I'm going to hop on this train and I'm going to start traveling. And I was like, wow. And then when his son said that, you know, I was just, it, it shocked me. I was like, wow. He's like, I, I actually, you know, when I see him, he's like on a train like, what do you think of that? I mean, is that just... I think that's the same. I think that that follows of being what you really want that, that person really wanted to do in in, uh, in real life, is that now that person is able to do that. Um, I just got to say something about you, Josh, is that at the very beginning of the show, you had talked that you said, I'm a sensitive. I think you're beyond that. I think you have you have some other abilities there that I think that you have. And, and trust me, I don't have those talents. I, I got. I have the feeling. I I consider myself sensitive, but for you, I think you're beyond that. I think that you have the ability that uh, um, uh, I think you should explore. I had that with with one of our investigators when she started out, um, and she went away with it. She went away from it because of of other issues. But she came back in with our team, and uh, she started um, concentrating more on it and finding out what what her, um, you know, using it as more of a skill set than anything else. Uh, and between, and, and she's the one we were talking about, June, is I think that she's probably one of the best ones that we have in regards to mediumship, uh, other than the Catherine. Catherine's another one, that, but that's a different, uh, a different focus area. But for yourself, um, just telling me just the, these stories and what you're, what I'm hearing from you is I, I firmly believe that you're beyond just a sensitive, my friend. Well, I don't, yeah. I, I, you I, might I, not, you might not consider it, 
that that that's the case. But uh, just listening to you and and the stories that you're telling and the the situations that you find yourself in, I think that there's more there's some more happening with you, my friend, than uh, than than maybe what you even think about or what you even know. I can confirm he's he's living with him. He's he's very much sensitive to uh, spiritual activity. Yeah, they're yeah. very much in tune with what's going on. So, bravo. Well, Anthony used to make fun of me actually because I, well, I make fun of you for a lot of things, but not not for not for being <laughs> well sensitive to the paranormal okay, or supernatural, well, or whatever. Okay, one day, one I'm going to say something. One day, we were uh, doing this. You know, sometimes we'll we'll you know just for the house, just for the I don't know what you would call it levity to to just bring some levity to the house, like to keep people from you know like getting angry and upset. We would we we have a little group thing, and we'll we'll meet everybody. And uh, Anthony, my other nephew, is, and and my, my my wife and my brother, we all live together, and we'll be like, hey, you know, let's let's voice our our opinions and stuff. And one day we were kind of in in a very uh, friendly way, we were kind of cutting each other down and joking. And I was like, I'm gonna do an Im- imitation of Anthony, and I did one. And then Anthony's imitation of me was laying on the on the recliner. And- oh yeah, yeah, I remember this. <laughs> Go ahead. And, and he in waking up and going, and I'm like, what is that? Well, that's what you okay. He fell asleep on the recliner, and I was watching TV on the recliner next to him. And then he wakes up, looks over, looks dead at me, and starts speaking some kind of language that to this day I don't know what it was or what he said. And then he went right back to sleep, and then he woke up a, a, a couple minutes later and had no recollection of looking at me and <laughs> saying whatever it was he said. I don't know if – it didn't even sound like Latin. I don't know what it was, but it was it was bizarre. Well, I'll, I'll do that. I'll I'll, uh, I'll have a, a, I don't know, a dream of some sort or anything like that, and I'll I'll wake up and I'll tell Janine something, and then the, ne- the next day she'll, <laughs> she'll say, do you remember saying this? I'm like – what the hell are you yeah, talking about? You do talk in English. You don't speak in foreign languages. No. Yeah. Maybe you have a past life there, Josh. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've I can wondered. Re- I can recognize Latin, German, French, Spanish, Italian, whatever, but I, I don't know what he was saying. That that was just very strange. And and it's Anthony's everywhere. Yeah, Anthony's not the only one that's 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 happened to. My wife has now experienced that on multiple occasions. My my brother. He's and, and and when he did that, everybody broke out laughing because I've done that on many occasions. But I'll I'll mutter or speak, and I've actually woke up speaking and and like literally woke up. It scared me in the place I used to live at. I woke up and I was talking, just fluent German, and I was like, whoa, whoa. And and, and I I did have a roommate that was from Germany, um, and and so when 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 he heard part of what I was saying, you know, he was he said that I was like screaming out commands. And I was like, "What are you talking about?" And he goes, "Dude, that was weird, you know." And he goes, "It was it was a Bavarian accent, or no? He said it was a Prussian accent. He said it was very Prussian, and it was. He's like, I, I, it was weird. You were just like yelling and 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 yelling like you know something was going on. Now, I I was learning some German from him just over the years of being friends with this guy and 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 him having been roommates with me and Willie, and uh, so so we we were both kind of learning German, you know, and and but it was not to that extent like what he had said he goes dude it was like a long you know and so that that's happened to me many times and i remember waking up and still speaking it and going like whoa i'm actually speaking another language i don't I, and I'm, I'm awake at this point and i'm still speaking 
And so I, I don't know what that is, what I'm channeling or what's going on with that. And, and I've had these, um, dreams that, that, that ramp up, it seems like every five years or so, and this would be the fifth year, um, that, that I start having these weird dreams and I start having them like, like more frequently and then it'll, it'll kind of die down again. And my wife has noticed lately of me flailing about and, and dreaming. And I don't, I don't know, I'm, I'm like in another, you know, place, another time. And when I speak, th- there's this language that comes up and my wife's like, I don't know what it is. Nobody seems to understand or know what it is or why I do it. And, and my brother just, he, he can attest it's been many times, you know, and, and, uh, my other nephew, his, his son has heard it and they've all heard it. And I, I don't know what it is. And, and I, I, sometimes it, it, it freaks me out because it'll, I'll yell so loud that I'll wake myself up with this yelling. And, um, I, I don't know why, um, that, that, that happens. And, and I've actually, looked into a couple of the words I had said, like when I woke up and I remember like speaking them and one of uh, two of them actually were very, like, it had to have been like some form of Aramaic, which I don't know what that is. I, I don't know why, how that was, but that was the best I could, I, I figured it out. Like I looked it up and I scoured all these sources trying to find out what these phrases were. It's happened with multiple languages though, too, like, like, um, Farsi, I believe a par- 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 partially was speaking a, a, like a, 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 a dialect of of Arabic, of Farsi, different languages, French, German, and and I've always been good with languages too, and picking them up quickly, but never learned those languages to that extent to be able to speak these phrases that I do when I'm asleep. It could be one of I, again, it, it's just just you know talking here, but it's just. Uh... I mean, maybe it is something that, uh, you know, from a previous life, um, like Janine said, or maybe somebody, something's channeling through you. Um, why not? I mean, we're just, we're just really, we're shells with uh, lots of goo on the inside. But, <laughs> That's for, for sure. I mean, you know, how can we, uh, how can we not be something else? I, I, there's got to be more than just this as a, co- a corporeal body. There's got to be more regardless. I mean, it doesn't matter whatever. I've, I've, I've had the fortune of being around so many different religions and uh, just as interest more than anything else is, uh, you know, lots of friends and in, in, uh, uh, from, from different countries and, and have been able to partake in different, uh, different religious ceremonies uh gatherings and things like that um it all generally comes together as one uh is that the the thoughts are there the um the concept is there it might be in a different language so to speak um but it generally follows pretty close to everything that that um everybody else does and you know that whether it's Moham or whether it's uh, Buddha, whether it's uh, you know Jesus Christ, whatever. It's there's some sort of connection uh, around that, and at, the more conversations you have with individuals about that, the better it is. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, like I, I've had a lot of people tell me that my, I have a very old soul. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, and they've told me that like you like people who believe in reincarnation 
have told me many times that I've lived multiple, multiple lives. My, uh, Tony, my godson, who I usually do, who's, who's my most consistent co-host, um, his mother is a Buddhist and she was shamanistic. I mean, big time. And she's, 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 a a much, very much a healer. I mean, she, and, and they were, she introduced me to this woman and they were talking to me one day and she was saying that I had an uncle that had had died. Um, and I'd never told them anything about this person. Um, her husband at the time was one of my best friends. He's actually working tonight for me. He's been 25 year friend. That's Tony's stepdad, former stepdad. And, and so, uh, they, they, I had never told him anything about this this particular uncle. This uncle died when he was 18. He died long before I was born. And she said, you have an uncle that died that shares your name. Now, the, immediately I thought, oh, okay, well, that's not true because he doesn't have my name. And she's like, yeah, he has your name. He has your, your name is Josh Joshua. And she said, my middle name, Paul. And I was like, whoa. And I had never told the, even my friend ever knew my middle name and Paul. I mean, and so, but my, my middle name came from my uncle Paul. Like he had died. He was murdered and they never did find who did it. Um, and so he died, like I said, long before I was born. And they, they, they said, she said that he protects you. He's with you a lot. And, and I, I believe that. I believe that. It's got to be, I think that there, again, there's more than this. There's, whether it's, it's just you driving down the, down the, down the freeway. Um, that's still a in, very interesting story, my friend. But it's, it's uh, I think that we have our, our guardian angels, if that's what you want to call them. Um, the spirits from the other side that's, that interacts with us. Um, your corporeal beings, your ones that are from an alternate alternative reality. I think it, it all becomes it all becomes together as part of the paranormal field. And if if any if anybody says no, it's not. It's it's this this and this. They're lying. Yeah. I think I think that there's there's everything about everything that we do. Um, and yes, we get involved in more the ghost hunting, sort of speaking, than everything else. Um, but I think it's all, it is all connected. And, and, uh, you, I've had arguments with people saying, Oh no, it's gotta be this. It's, you know, this is, um, I, and again, we get to that. I believe, or I don't believe, um, we've, we've got, we've got members of our group that, uh, sometimes are, are apprehensive of going into a church investigation because they feel that they're going to set on fire as soon as they put a foot into it. So, I, you know, <laughs> and that's fine because again, it gives us a different, different, different uh, bed to sleep on. But I do believe that everything's connected in, in one way, shape or form. I absolutely believe that. I, I do too. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. I, I don't think you can, you can just like, that 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 is a problem too, and and we're we're running up to the to our time here. But I was gonna say one thing that you guys, what we were talking about with the whole para unity thing, I I do believe that we all need to come together because one of the things that I believe is that that the paranormal encompasses all walks of life, you know, all genders, all races, all religions. It it, it is a very uh, real thing, whether people choose to believe it or ignore it or whatever. You know, you can ignore something doesn't mean it's not there. No, and the paranormal, the parunity thing is 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 true. I mean, we tend to work with teams from around the world that uh, have similar values and goals. 
Um, there are teams out there that want to be the I'm the best that there ever ever is. They'll undermine other groups be if they can. They'll take gigs or locations from them if they hear about it, uh, rather than working together and being a little bit respectful for one another. And that's unfortunate, but it happens everywhere. Um, and that's that's truly. Or they'll go above and beyond and say, well, geez, I'll I'll pay you if I can come into your location. Uh, just don't let the other guys in. And that's just too bad. It really is because it affects everybody. Or going into a into a location and damaging it or, or causing some sort of um, grief for the owners or anything like that. It, it just ruins it for everybody else. Um, we're just curious. We're just, we want to find out what's out there. We want to explain it. We want to, we're not the, the biggest, the baddest, the boldest, but hell, we're going to be giving it a good time. Well, there's a lot of podcasters and researchers out there doing that too. Like I've come across a, a, lo a lot of them that are, you know, they'll be cool with you as long as you're on board with what they're doing. But if you, you know, if, if they feel the need, they're just going to throw you out. I mean, they're not going to, I've just, I, I've dealt with that quite a bit. I learned, I've, I've had to learn the hard way from, uh, trial and error. I went into this field when I first started this show and I went in thinking, I want to be friends with everyone. And, uh, my, my dear friend, Vic Cundiff, he told me, he goes, well, you know how he talks. He's like, that's kind of impossible. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I, I was going to find out for myself. I just wanted to try to be friends with everybody. And, and he was right. You can't do it. They just will not let you do it. There's going to be jealousy. There's going to be infighting. There's going to be people who are not going to be, uh, your friend. No matter how hard you try or what you do, um, there's going to be research, so-called researchers, so-called groups, you know, so-called podcasters and, and other, you know, people who are just not going to be on board with helping you and or doing anything and, and even actively undermining you. That's just, that's just part of the nature of this business. And I wish so, so, so much that we could all, you know, that, 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 that the Bigfoot, the UFO, the Dogman, the ghosts at all, we could all work together and help each other. And, and instead of compartmentalizing what I think is an all-encompassing deal, you know, True. everybody's got no, a piece of the puzzle. Just like you were talking about the religions, Paul, you know, yeah. they yeah. all have a piece of the puzzle, but we're not putting the puzzle together because everybody wants to believe that they're completely right. Instead of admitting that maybe they're not a hundred percent. Absolutely. It's the conversation thing. It's, it's being able to have that, that, um, realistic and truthful con communication about and conversation about everything that that the paranormal is about um and just working with each other it's really really too bad when it becomes something else i think it just undermines everything and you you, you sort of it takes we take a step backwards because of that um and that's just really and like you said in your podcasts and things like that people just but you get that feeling you will get that feeling from when you're dealing with somebody even if it's on facebook or or um on messenger or anything like that you'll find out how how that person is talking is generally how that person is in real life yeah and, and so you'll know pretty pretty quickly whether or not that person is truthful or not and i just don't have time for that i really really don't and and we we dismiss more than than um i think we should but and that just makes it too bad i i just go back about the respect thing i think that if 
if you're in a, in a we don't, like Janine says all the time, is we don't own the locations or the places that we go into to investigate. I get that. I have no problem with that. But if we're in a place that's that we're constantly or doing in there several times to do investigations, uh, or we've, we've established that rapport, and then somebody goes, uh, at least have the decency to pick up the phone or or send me a message and say, hey, look, I'm going into this place. Is everything okay? And let's have that conversation, not just, you know, go trap wood. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you guys reaching out and, and, and respecting me enough to want to wanna come on and talk on my show. I mean, I really appreciate that. God, it's going to be two shows, I think. Well, yeah, it's going to be more than, than one. I'm just going to definitely. We, we warned you. Straight up. <laughs> We're talkers. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. That's what you, that's what they're here for. Get, the, the listeners are here to, to get information. My listeners are like sponge, man. They, you know, and I got some diehard listeners too, man. I was talking to a guy yesterday interviewing him and he was like, I've heard every episode twice. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> so they, they, they <laughs> well, there's some. Invite, we invite them to come on to like, uh, just, you know, come on to Cornerstone Supernatural on Facebook. You'll get a lot of you get the feel of what we're about there. We've got the website out there, cornerstonesupernatural.com. Uh, go to Supernatural Sunday and see some of the Janine's podcasts and things like that or some of the shows that she's done. Um, but just have that communication. Ask those questions. Talk about things. It makes it all better for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, well, you know what? We appreciate you coming on, Janine, Paul. Thank you so much for uh, well, being a being time. Hey, for Anthony, Josh, thank you very much yeah. for having us. It's been our privilege and honor. Yeah. Well, and thank you all. Y'all are a wealth of, of information. Yeah. You definitely gave us a lot of information. We had a good conversation and a good discussion and, and come back again. Uh, keep us posted. I, uh, you guys have a group um, yeah. on Facebook. And so everyone, I think I'm pretty sure I'm a part of it. So. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. Absolutely. I, I, I have so many, there's so many groups and like, I'm, I'm always like trying to keep well, up. But you think of it this way, Cornerstone Supernatural. Okay. The reason we picked Cornerstone is the foundation is the cornerstone that you build everything else on. So if it's not sta stable and sturdy, everything else will fall apart. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, absolutely. I know I'm a part of Cornerstone Supernatural. I'm just looking at it right here. Yeah, because I've post things in that group pretty pretty regularly, actually, as gotcha. far as like the links and all that. Yeah, you guys, for sure, uh, appreciate you coming on. And and Paul, been friends with you on Facebook for a long time, and uh, hope that we guys can uh, that we can continue to grow together and communicate and work together. If you guys got anything, send it my way. If I got something, I can send it your way. We work together. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. It's on, an open. Guys. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, you guys have a good night. You too. Bye from Vancouver. See. Bye. Right, bye, bye, bye from Austin. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>